0: Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Swinburne, otherwise known as Coast Talk. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur, whether it's sports, tech, food, fitness, I've got a bunch of passions. I've also been fortunate enough to invest in some of my favorite sports teams. Along the way, I've met a bunch of great people, whether athletes, entrepreneurs, executives, and we hope to dive into their stories on our show. You'll hear backstories, successes, and failures throughout our discussions. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy listening to the show. This is Coast Talk Talk. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Coast Talk Talk podcast, where we deep dive into the passion projects of the best athletes and entrepreneurs every week. On today's show, I sit down with Nick Rose, CEO of Eternity and Eternity Labs. Welcome to the show, Nick. Nice to meet you. Hey, hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, Well, yeah, let's just jump right in. Um, If you want to start Introduce yourself, quick background, how you got started as an entrepreneur, how community developed.
1: Yeah, yeah. my name is Nick Rosderchos. I'm I'm from Greece originally. Um, I live in the U.S. Um, I've been, I started uh, into the blockchain space back in 2011 with Bitcoin in the start. Um, You know, um, I started traveling a lot into conferences and learning a lot about blockchain technology and how it works. Ended up being an investor, uh, starting, in, starting discovering and investing in in founders that I really liked. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, and um, I worked for for for, for a hedge fund, uh, UKIPA companies from LA um, on their blockchain strategy. But eventually, I started Ethernet, Ethernet Labs and Eternity, which is my first project on the blockchain as a founder. I've started multiple companies before, um, but but as a CEO and as a as a as a founder, that's my first. A big project, um, Eternity, and now
0: Eternal Labs. Yeah. So you discovered. Uh, I'm jealous because I didn't. I didn't really go down the whole crypto rabbit hole until until COVID. You know, I got back into sports cards, got back into NFTs, or not got back, got into NFTs, and it was just like mind blowing the potential. But I got in a little farther along, right, where there was a lot of use cases, a lot of uh, examples of people trying things, and you would kind, of, I had kind of had like a a little guide and inspirations of where things were going. What was it like back in 2011 with Bitcoin? Like what made you take an interest in it? It, it was accidental to be honest
1: with you. It was completely accidental and um, somebody um, introduced me to it, uh, explained briefly what it is and how it works. I think he didn't even know exactly what it was back then, but you know, I I my personality in general is like that. I like things that doesn't make a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. it didn't make a lot of sense to me back then, but I was curious, very, very curious. So I, 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 I dug deep and and, and I, 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 when I understood how blockchain works, I really, really liked it. Yeah. Uh, so I thought there might be something there. Obviously none of us back then ever imagined the magnitude of the space today. Um, but yeah, I, I was 20 21 years old and I decided to take a crack at it. I um, mean, obviously um, now the space is humongous and it keeps growing and it will keep growing exponentially. Um, but yeah, that's how it started an accidental conversation and my own curiosity is what got me really into it. And at that point, what were you, what were you working on or what? Nothing. I was a 21 year old kid who didn't really have a plan and I was just roaming around and trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, yeah. And technology, I always loved technology. You know, my mother is an artist. My, my dad was a trader, is a trader, was retired. Uh, so I had a little bit both of, of both worlds, the business, um, influence and the, the artistic influence. Um, that's how Eternity actually came to be. It's a combination of both, I would say. But yeah. yeah, back then I didn't really have a plan. Um, I was just roaming around, but, um, I got really fascinated with blockchain and I kind of found the place that I felt I belong, if that's the right thing to say. And by going conference to conference, conference to conference, I really, really understood that I wanted to be part of that movement. Um, And and now, you know, now I speak in conferences about blockchain. So, you know,
0: (laughs) that's how it starts. And yeah, it's funny you say a 21 year old without a plan, because the older I get, I'm convinced that the only 21 year olds with a plan are the people that are currently twenty-one, and by the time they're twenty-two, they realize they were twenty-one-year-olds without a plan. You know, it's yeah. like a, <laughs> it's a yeah. funny journey where no matter what you were thinking at the time, you look back and realize, uh, you know, things change so fast, and and, yeah. and there's no way you 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 had a plan before. So I actually, I actually, by the way, something on that. I actually
1: am. I urge kids to don't have a plan when they're young because you know, we usually follow the society roles So you got to go to college and whatever you study, you're gonna. Yeah, that's what you got to practice. You know, I have a lot of successful friends that own huge companies. None of them really is practicing what they studied on, in college. Yeah. So to me, that's, it's better to like, let yourself be influenced by the world and see what your, what your needs is, right? Obviously, you have, you have the basic skills and all that stuff, sure. But yeah. like, I, I definitely think if you want to be an entrepreneur, you should let the world influence you and see what you want to really do.
0: Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I, um, I got invited back to my college, uh, UC Santa Barbara to get an award like a couple years ago. And I was like, I wasn't a good student. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in college. I don't feel any special affinity with the school. What am I going to say? You know, am I just going to get up there and BS? Or And I realized that like what college did for me was it made me comfortable with uncertainty. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to a class. If I failed the class, I didn't get kicked out of school. I just took another class, yeah. right? And so it was like, wow, it, it, it's hard in the, at the time. But when you look back, the more uncomfortable you can make yourself, the more open your plans can be, the more comfortable you get with that. And you have to have that base. Otherwise, you have fear and all these things that will stop you from pursuing things. So it was uh, yeah, exactly. great, to you, great to hear you say that. So you discovered it in Like, So was it immediately kind of like your primary focus or was it like over the years, like I'm spending a little bit of time, a little bit of more, more time and then? Eventually- no, I,
1: I, I, the first six months, I would say it was like just trying to educate myself. But after that, I moved in the United States. So, uh, there was a lot of, of a bigger community here, uh, New York, I traveled in Vegas when I met a few people that were very into it. So it became really my, um, my immediate, I wasn't making any money back then. It took me about two years to make any real money from it. Like 2013, I remember, uh, I sold a little, a big chunk to say, okay, now it's pays. It starts, it started in paying off. Right. But from 2011 2015 it was like 16 it was like buying mode for me i would just buy different bitcoin mainly and and after ethereum came out i became a full-on ethereum because right now for example i'm a full-on ethereum um advocate not that i don't i don't love bitcoin i do love bitcoin i mean it's it's the father of all um but like i said you know i said that to, to somebody else bitcoin was the introduction and ethereum was the breakthrough so Ethereum yeah. is actually the actual breakthrough of individuals and founders to, that, that, that are now able to, to build in, in, in on a platform their own projects, right? And that's why yeah. for mainstream adoption, Ethereum was key.
0: Yeah. Was there anyone you met early on that kind of played a crucial role in, in propelling you forward? I've met, I've met Vitalik before a few times. Not really an individual.
1: It was just the community and it was just a mix of, every, of all these curious people, Coders, programmers, and and just curious people do for 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 decentralization and to discover what's next, right? Um
0: yeah. it's been it's been a long, wild ride, man. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I've only had a short journey, and there's been ups and downs, and it's interesting. The oh, it's been like yeah. that since 2011.
1: Ups yeah. and downs is the first ups and downs are like stressing you out. For me, right now, I don't really care. I don't even. For me, it's yeah. about the technology and, and and how can we use it and how can we make the world better. And obviously, everybody loves making making money. And I'm in the business of making money. You know, I want the thirty to be a billion dollar company, and that's what we're aiming for. But like I said, the market and all the trading stuff doesn't really concern me at all. To me, yeah. what I'm looking at is the the growth, and the more growth, the market will get better eventually.
0: Yeah. And so, how did you? Um, what was the transition to? Okay, this is something I'm interested in. I'm trading it successfully. Uh, now I'm looking at the utility and the business applications. What was yeah. the first thing you kind of said? Okay, this is this is an idea. Was it the seed for what you're doing today, or were there just different things you tried and kind of? Yeah, well, I, I,
1: I used to be a gamer. I, I I love video games, and I still love video games. Um, I love art. I have a lot of art myself. I'm an art collector and collectibles. So, but, but I love making money as well. So it was like a combination of, of, I always want, I, I like building cool stuff. Right. So when I got the opportunity, cause you know, I'm not an engineer or a developer. Um, I fully understand how it works. I just can't code. Um, so I met my co-founder who's an ex, uh, Facebook, Google engineer, very, very smart guy. Marcelo is his name from San Francisco. Actually, I live in LA, but he's in San Francisco and we met back in 2016 and, and I was like, Marcelo is very so I, I had the missing part of of, of me building something because everything else you know resource resourcefulness um, ideas execution all that oh, I have all those skills I just I was missing this critical part of 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 um, the development and the, the back end work so when I met hmm. Marcelo we started working on ideas I told him what I wanted to do he said yeah we can do that so the idea we started talking about for we started talking about eternity since two thousand sixteen. And 2017, we met in LA, we started doing some battles and tests and we really launched the company in 2020. Hmm. So it took us a long time to to come exactly, but we've been working on NFTs and NFT ideas since CryptoPunks went out. Yeah. So it's been
0: a, a long, long time. So what was the, what was the original idea, like before it? All oh my, that my God, that's so funny that you're asking that.
1: <laughs> we, it's, it's the original ideas are, are, are hilarious in the start. We wanted to create NFTs as access passes and using our network to those access passes will give you access to like the best venues in the world, like from hotels to nightclubs and, and uh, restaurants. And, and we have, we had this, we have this connection, so we could have made it happen, but because it had nothing to do with my artistic vision. So I was like, that's not very artsy. I don't feel very creative doing that. Yeah. Uh, so, that was the first idea, and we leaned into art when we saw CryptoPunks, and obviously when they were given away, they weren't very successful, but it was like a cool thing to have, and CryptoKit is after. That's why we thought, let's just build a marketplace that will go out there and, and own IP. We'll go out there, license the world's best IP, the world's best individuals that have a brand, and, and help them create collectibles on the blockchain. And that was the idea, and you know, that's what we have did, and that's what we keep
0: doing. Yeah, what was the first? Uh, what were those first uh, pitches like? What was the reception? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, man. They didn't really understand what we wanted to do.
1: The first NFTs we created were literally favors. where we're like, "Hey, man, you know me, you trust me. Just let me do that. I know what I'm gonna. I know what I'm doing. You'll see, it's gonna do well." That's exactly the first pitch. Because we're yeah. like, Nick, I don't understand. What are you talking about? What is why somebody <laughs> would buy that? That's the, those are the first conversations. And yeah. after we start doing our first. Showing exactly the the vision and people starting getting it. And you know the big the biggest proof of concept for us was the li- li- the Leo Messi drop. Uh, we did three point six million in one day. That was for us. Every company was like, "What the hell?" Yeah. That was the first one that we said, "Okay, now it's easy." And now you know we started we started from talking to friends who had a brand,
0: and now we are talking to the biggest studios in the world. Yeah. Um So yeah. So those initial connections. How did you build that? Like uh, Messi, for example. How was that? Yeah. How does someone reach out to a, to a Messi and say, hey, I want to put you on the blockchain? Yeah,
1: well, that's kind of one of our talents within the team that we're very resourceful and our network is very, very strong. I would say we probably have the strongest network compared to any any other NFT company out there. Uh, other NFT companies or, or any other collectible companies will probably use agents and all that stuff. We do use agencies and agents as well, but in personal level, we have such such um strong connections with 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 athletes and, and, and celebrities and notable figures and and companies that you know it it has really given us gave, given us an advantage in the in, in the start to go out there and get Leo Messi. Like Leo Messi yeah. had proposals from everybody, right? But he chose to go with us because of the personal relationship. And we have a lot of those. Yeah. You know, that's something I built through the years and my partners and my, my co founders and uh my team, you know, yeah. But a mixed what a mix of uh, of individuals that have ba- entertainment background, uh, sports background. Like we have an agent that used to be uh, an used to be a huge agent within the soccer industry. Uh, we yeah. have people from movies. We have people from the, the hospitality
0: industry. So we have a lot of type of um, people in the company. Yeah. So you bring you you would onboard these people into the company and say, hey, you go after this category. Yeah. Use your connections. It's funny you say that because I've always gone back and forth in my head, you know, in some interactions with athletes or trying to get to athletes is like in a way the agents and the managers and everyone around them protects them, right? They protect them from impulse and and helps them kind of vet people. But on the other hand, a lot of times they they stop them from opportunity at times, right? Because suddenly oh, gets it handed over, someone's like, well, how am I going to make money? Or no, I've been working on something else with someone else. So it's a really that whole space is a really interesting. Um, yeah,
1: they don't want to mess up, and plus, you know, they have their own relationships that they want to satisfy. But you know, in the end of the day, if the player or 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 the individual says no, I want to work with this person, they can't really yeah. do much. They work for
0: them. Yeah. So what's yeah. um? So you approach yeah, for Eternity. You um the the proposition to an an athlete or celebrity is it? Hey, we're gonna we're gonna create this thing, and we'll take care of everything, and this will become a collectible. Or is there any oh, kind well, of like yeah.
1: ongoing thing? It's an ongoing, they have- thing. It's an yeah. ongoing thing. I mean, if you, if you think about it, everybody sells collectibles. If, if you go and try to find Marvel collectibles, you'll find them in hundreds, or if th- not thousands, of stores in America, right? Or all over the world. Yeah. We're just another marketplace. We just think we, we're, the, we're just on the blockchain, right? Yeah. Uh, and we think we're creatively and we want to th- do things better. And obviously yeah. using the NFT, te- the non-fungible token technology, you get to have a few unlockables and have some utilities within those collectibles. Not necessarily all of them, but um, the technology gives you that ability to be able to have unlockables and, 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 and other, co- other things that come after you, you, you have, um, you, you own, after you claimed ownership of that collectible. Yeah. You're able now to redeem other things as well if you want to. That's yeah. something that you couldn't really do. With physical collectibles.
0: Yeah. And do you see your, like your, your NFTs, is that something that uh, a holder can, in the future, you see them being able to carry it over into another world or is your focus more on this is our ecosystem? No. Yeah, yeah. On- all, the, all to. the collectibles we sell on Eternity that's on
1: the blockchain, they can be sold. They, they the, the buyers have full ownership right away so they can yeah. take it and they can exchange it in a different marketplace later. The individual who works with us, or the licensor, and even ourselves, we have a piece of the back end. We always have the
0: piece of the back end. is 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 imprinted on the smart contract. So, yeah. um, what about so utility, yeah. though? Like, could they take that? You know, are there any future plans? I know you said you were big into yeah, gaming. For, of, for example,
1: like, if we do a deal, let's say with an athlete, then he says, "I'm just going to say the simplest thing right now. Whoever owns that NFT gets to do one Zoom call with me a year. That's a simple." So yeah. to, to claim the Zoom call, you have to go to my website, saquilonil.io. I'm just saying a random thing. You yeah. log in with your MetaMask and you schedule the Zoom call. That's all you got to do. And yeah. the website, the backend of the website tracks the NFT, the unique NFT number, contract actually, and the Zoom call is being arranged. Yeah. So, um, or I will give you free more free collectibles if you own this once a year, right? every time on my birthday, right? So it's... Yeah. It's all programmed
0: on the chain, on chain, so you don't, it's it's easy to redeem. Yeah, and in your marketplace, do you do you allow other like external projects to be on your so, marketplace? That's a great question. But probably I'm saying this for the first time publicly. No,
1: so far, but that's a new feature we're about to release. Nobody knows about that actually, so I'm just leaking it on this on the podcast. Awesome. Uh, where you'll be able now on Eternity.io to buy Board Apes, you'll be able to buy CryptoPunks, you'll be able to buy anything you want to. So no. we'll, uh, we'll we'll allow 15 more collections, like the most popular collections that we think, and
0: slowly, slowly, we'll start allowing more. And where do you see that? Uh, where do you see marketplaces? Like, do you see, like, there will be, you know, two big players, three big players. You want to be the one big player, there'll be a hundred or they'll be broken down by a niche. Like, how do you, what's your ambition <sighs> there? Like, what do you see?
1: Um, there's going to be a lot of big players, I think. Yeah. I, Listen, we're going through a weird market right now. So I think a lot of companies will go bankrupt. Um, we've already been getting calls by other marketplaces that I kind of liked before that they want to merge or because they are not well-funded. So we just closed the $20 million round with Eternal Labs. And we did that right before the market crash. So we're, we're, I'm really happy we, we did that. Because uh, what's going to happen now if the market continues to go sideways like that, a lot of... Because the volume has plummeted, right? There's no... A lot of sales out there. I see it on our marketplace. All the Zoom is everywhere. So, you know, you, you have to be well funded to weather the storm. So I yeah. think what's going to happen now out of the yeah, 200 marketplaces, it will shrink down to the best 50 and eventually it will shrink down to the best 10. If you look yeah. at Amazon, there is not a hundred, ha- there is not 10 Amazons. It's like six or five or four big, yeah. big, big. So that's how it's going to be. It's like a natural
0: evolution of. Yeah. So the funding was interesting. So you see in this, I mean, obviously you've been in it for a long time, but over the last couple of years, as I've been watching, there's a lot of, a lot of projects have been able to just throw some PFP project out there, get a bunch yeah. of, hopefully yeah. they, you know, who knows what they did as far as when they, when they converted it and, and what they did, they distribute it or use it to build. But it's an interesting, um, you don't, you haven't seen too many, at least publicly, Treating it like a real company, where they'll raise money and their sales are revenue, they'll more treat it like the the mint was either their fundraising event or their cash out event. Um, so I think it was obviously a great move um, to raise money. What do you think will be the norm? Do you think you need to really do a raise, count your your mint revenue and your royalties as kind of your your revenue, not your not your building fund? Is that you think the model that's best moving forward? <laughs> Depends. It can
1: work. I mean, uh, the Bordeaux Yacht Club have used have used it wisely. Wisely, but there is, you know, yeah. there is always going to be people who want to make quick, 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 quick funds, and they will take advantage of of, of the retail. For example, we're launching our Exorians Universe project. That it starts. We lo- We're going to sell twelve thousand playable characters because we're building a video game through Eternal Labs. But, but, but I- I, we've already raised funds for to build the game. So our success or our game development is not really related to selling those avatars or characters by selling those characters. Obviously those funds will come in the company as revenue. So for us, we we calculate this as a revenue stream, not as a fundraising event,
0: Yeah,
1: but that's what we're doing. Um, But not everybody's able to go and raise funds in the start. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, I would say the right way is to, if you have a good vision, you put the vision on a piece of paper, you go to investors, you raise the funds, and everything else is revenue. I mean, to me, that's the, the, correct, the right way to do it.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. It's, just, it's tempting at times. And it's, I also think it's kind of a, a weird relationship, which I think, depending on which members of the community and which projects you talk to, sometimes it's a little bit like what, like this, like, is the, am I a member of a community? Am I an investor? Now, obviously, as a project, if you can use a mint to raise money and not, you know, without giving up any equity... It's um, that's interesting financially, but the challenge is a large percentage of your of your community is under the impression that they own equity in your project, and they don't. And so that's a really like sometimes they I sit don't. on spaces and you just they go, own an
1: avatar. That's all they own, and they have a chance to to flip it. That's yeah. how people think. Yeah, and obviously the companies will say, "Oh, you own the commercial rights. Uh, you own the commercial rights." Sure. I
0: mean, yeah, it's an it's a really like a. I think it's one of the most fascinating parts of the space over the past those because you get there's no barrier there's there's nothing that says hey you have to understand these basic principles to buy an nft and so you 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 listen sometimes and it's like there's this uh, it actually puts a lot of pressure on the project founders at times because you've kind of you know some projects have kind of like skated around the idea of hey you're your owners in our in our brand you're you're owners of this and then the when the community is like expects to be able to make decisions or they start wondering you know like board apes you'll hear a lot of people going I'm pretty sure it means if there's 10,000 apes, if they sell for a billion dollars, we each get, what I don't know, the math. a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. It's like, yeah. it's not how it works. Or they think, hey, if Bored Apes gets a Netflix show, there's 10,000 of us. So if they get $500,000 a month in revenue, we each get 50 bucks. And it's like, not yeah, it well, they're, they're not thinking like that. They're thinking that the avatar they own will go up in value. And yeah, that's how it works. Like the more like expensive the more experienced are, but I think a lot of first timers are like, well, I own a stake in I own a stake in board yeah. apes. No, you own an ape, you know. <laughs> if like,
1: that was the case, then the board apes would be a security and that would be sat down by the no. SEC.
0: <laughs> Which is another funny thing, right? A lot of times you have to just you have to be over the over the top over the top saying things. So what's the um from a uh, from a holder perspective, what is the um are you are you hoping to kind of like, is there a is there a is it just a marketplace, like, kind of pick and choose what you want? Can they build, is there a collection I'm building towards? Like, hey, if I buy one of each of the projects, will I have a, will I unlock anything or are they all individual, kind of individual projects? For, the, for, our, for our project? Yeah. For,
1: our project is very complex. Um, it's going to consist of three things. We are going to do comics because we wrote the whole story, we wrote the first, the first season. So we're going to be releasing comics with the whole story. Uh, our major part will be the Web3 video game we're building. It's going to take us about two, two and a half years because good things take time to build. It's not very easy to just b- build something and put it out there. Um, yeah. And eventually, eventually, that's something that's not pro- that hasn't been promised, but it's like more of a dream of mine. Um, if everything goes well and the brand bec- and the brand takes off, we are going to do a TV series, an animated TV series like. Um, Arcane. I don't know if you watched Arcane on Netflix. Yeah So if you ever played League of Legends, this is an, uh, a TV show that did more bigger numbers. Oh, yeah, than yeah. it's they did bigger numbers than, than Squid Game. That's how big it became, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and actually, we brought the guy who produced it, Thomas Vu, is one of our major investors and advisors. He's helping us with game building and all that stuff, um, advising us mostly. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plan: comics, the video game, and um, Eventually, if things go well, to do a little TV show um, that's going to be like very creative for me. Like you know, like I said, I love being creative and I love writing yeah. stories and getting involved in teams that write stories. So yeah, th- those are the three things. And the avatars we're selling, you will be able to play with your avatar on the game. So if, you, if there's going to be a default avatar for anyone who wants to play the game, but whoever owns a unique avatar through the Exorians universe will be able to play with this avatar. It will be way more cool looking, and will have potentially some extra uh, benefits using the avatar
0: on the game in game. Yeah. So how do you juggle these different things? I mean, they're all under one umbrella, right? But there, there's a marketplace, there's a game, there's a, there's a tie-in, right? You can, you can sell the NFTs through the marketplace. But I think that a thing that's very common among entrepreneurs, which I think a lot of outside people don't understand, and it's been a little, it was a little taboo in the past, and now it's a little more. Um, accepted, right? Is that like, you have people, externally people say, oh, they're working on this project. This is what's publicly been presented. They probably fall asleep thinking about it. They wake up thinking about it or at lunchtime. They're thinking about it. And the reality is behind the scenes, a lot of times entrepreneurs are creative people. They have multiple interests and they see multiple opportunities. How do you juggle, like, I see another big opportunity, but I've already got this opportunity, which is a big opportunity that I'm working on. How do you make sure that you're not, you know, shifting yeah. resources and attention prematurely. As to be honest with
1: you, the first two years now with Eternity, it's actually a year and a half. I've lived, breathed, and thought about Eternity my whole day. But yeah. now, you know, there's more things. Now, Eternal Labs is a studio that we, we started Eternity first and Eternal Labs after. So Eternal Labs, it, has, it consists of more, it's going to be more of a studio studio model that, We'll be able to build the game, monetize things through the marketplace. So I, I, if I had to be focused only on one thing, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I have yeah. to be open-minded and be open to other opportunities as well that will benefit the company. Uh, but that that's why uh, you know you have to have a good team around you. Because yeah. right now we have a few people that all they do is live and breathe eternity. We have some other people that all they do is live and breathe Exorians. So uh, you, you need to be very good with your team, Um Building and the people you have around you are uh, have to be the right people to help you navigate this ship because you know one person can't do it. And you know when we started, we we're three people, and now we're almost like a hundred. Yeah. So um it takes it, it takes the right team to be able to execute those, those those those
0: things. You ever sit in a board meeting with investors and they say, "Hey, can you focus a little bit and just oh, n- dial this one in before you go on to the next one?" Or uh, all the time, everybody people say, "Oh, you're doing too much," but you yeah. know. Time will show if we were doing too much. (laughs) So I always say for me, when I'm walking around the house and I'm, and I have these imaginary doubters in my head who probably don't exist. And I walk past a mirror and I'm just like kind of talking to hypothetical people that I feel like I'm internally competing with, or myself that I'm competing with. Like, who are you? Not like, who are you competing with as like, this is your, you know, real competitor, but like, like when you you know when you looking in the mirror, what you when you and you're psyching yourself up? Like what are you saying and what are you what are you thinking about? In terms of competition, just in terms of like like I'm sitting there telling myself like oh you know you're you're a badass you're this you're that kind of pumping myself up and or I'm saying like fuck everyone who doesn't think like I can do this or or those kind of things right. But I, I don't talk that way normally. But when I'm in when I'm waking up or when I'm in the mirror or if someone says something which I just interpret to be doubting me. Yeah, like, I don't really care. I yeah. mean, people have been down to me
1: since day one, and everything. I've been, Do you I've remember been, all those? I've yeah. been, I've been, you know, the people that actually funded me right now for Eternal Labs are the people that was telling them to buy Bitcoin back in 2014. So,
0: yeah, that's all I think I have to say. I don't think. Yeah, you know, like like Steph Curry, right? He won, the, he won the when he won the championship. He's celebrating. He's won this championship, and the first thing he's doing is he's and he says he's the king of. He's he's remembering. Oh, remember on this uh, talk show when they said I wouldn't win without KD? He says he goes at halftime and reads reads Twitter to just read people hating on him, and it just gets him fired up when he talks. And and you would never imagine that someone of that magnitude is like everybody. Everybody does look
1: definitely. Listen, there is always I always see when people doubting you, you get this fire uh, inside you. I get the same thing, and I actually want people to doubt me because that's the only way I find motivation, like really a real motivation. Yeah, if this doesn't happen, I'm just. Happy to build fun stuff. I love when I see the community enjoying the stuff we build. It's just a, a pl- it's just a, pl- it's like a pleasant feeling seeing yeah. that you build something fun and uh, the community and, and thousands of people are enjoying it. That's number one for me. Number two, definitely when I see, like for example, we have a token that trades everywhere, and our token went from twenty-seven cents to seventy dollars, and I could see how everybody was like praising. Oh my god! I wish I would have listened, and everybody's on you. And now the market crashed, and the token is down to like $3 or something like that. Everybody's like, oh, the market is shit. But I'm so used to these emotions and I'm, I'm so used to... When you understand why people do certain things, you won't be really mad ever again. So I yeah. don't really get mad. When I get more motivated when I see people building better stuff than I do. That's my number one. If I see something cool and I say, holy shit, I didn't think about that. This is so cool. Then that's my motivation to build something better. Not yeah. really people, not really people.
0: Have you have you had anything where, I guess, where that kind of uh, pushes over to yourself? Like you're you're feeling good when something's uh, going good. I had an experience where I had a company that I had a, a great success. I started something else. It wasn't working. It wasn't what I wanted to do. My ego was like thinking people were going to say, oh, he failed. He, can only, he can't do this. And so I kept going oh, yeah. for a long time, right? And I, I realized, oh, my God, I've let the company... If the company is doing bad, I feel bad about myself. If the company is doing good, I feel good about myself. I got to snap out of that quick because that yeah, does that happen? No,
1: yeah, I'm very I'm very cold in terms of, of feelings of how things go. I'm I'm like even when we even when the company was worth a billion dollars in terms of the token, I was never really wow. I, my personality is very very balanced. Uh, so when things go crazy, I don't go crazy. I'm I'm kind of the same. I'm happy, but when and when things go to shit, I'm still fine. It doesn't really affect me in any way. Um, mentally.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know. I've built a character like that because, you know, I've failed many, many times. Uh, but like I said, I've moved, I moved in the U S from Greece with, with literally no money. I've started here from nothing. Everything I've done, I've done it alone and I've built something myself. So when you started like that, it you know, it helps you build character. So it's very hard for me to get effect, to be affected by any, any of that stuff. Stuff I, I've I've built. A, I'm I'm happy that I've built a a strong, stable character that that allows me to be focused and just go straight to the point. What is the yeah. problem? How do we
0: solve it? Forget about the noise. Forget about all that. And the same way when things go well. What do you think? Um, not being from the U.S., what do you think? Entrepreneurs who come to the U.S. What? A lot of times, there's just a there's a different perspective. How do you think that's that's helped you? And what do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, something I got to see here it's very important
1: because obviously you're from the U S but a lot of people doesn't appreciate the U S in terms of I'm from, I'm from Greece. I'm from Europe. I've lived in other countries and I've seen the opportunity spectrum. There is nothing like the U S whoever says the U S is not the best country in the world in terms of opportunities. I don't know what to say. The U S if you want to work and if you're dedicated and, and you make no excuses and you want to go for it and build, and make things happen. There is no better country in the world than the United States. And people who are from the U.S. and are born here, I wish they knew how blessed and and, and lucky they are uh, to be here because it's literally up to you. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to really make it and build something, everything is up to you. To me, even school doesn't matter. Uh, College doesn't matter to me. If you want to make it and you want to build something, the best best college is YouTube and and Google. Everything you need is out there. You gotta learn it. It's it's how much time you put on it and how much dedication and 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 then how much how much you wanna push yourself.
0: Yeah. No, I actually I I don't have an extreme uh, experience, but I I moved from England when I was eight. And so I was too young. You know, I didn't have an experience of what's the difference of like trying to start a company or work in, in this country. But I always remember it always stuck with me when my dad would talk about, even like they had a lot of problems with hooligans. You know, when I was in the early eighties, when I moved here, it was like I'm watching on TV, I'm like, Dad, what are they doing? He's like, you got to understand a lot of these towns, there's no opportunity. There's nothing to do. There's no jobs. Unemployment was crazy at the time. He's like, so you go to the pub and you go to the, your source of pride is from the local team and that's it. There's nothing, there's nothing to do. And so that kind of stuck with me always is like, even though it seems like, oh, it's not a, you know, it's not a war torn country, it's not extreme poverty, there's still levels to opportunity. Right. And so the US definitely has like, and especially now, I mean, we, I mean, my head explodes when I start thinking like my son's 13 and I start thinking you've grown up your whole life with like YouTube and like Google. It's insane. Like anything you want to know, you can find out immediately. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all you
1: need. That's the number one tool you need to build anything you want to build. Yeah. Elon Musk didn't even go to, didn't even study uh, how, how to send rockets and all he did is read a lot of books.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what, um what do you do uh, when you're, you know, I know that, you know, work, pleasure, all kind of like overlaps now for most people. Well, what are you? Uh, what are your passions outside of work? What are you focused on? when yeah, you're Yeah, so working? when I turn off those computers that
1: are around me here, is I get out of the house and I spend a lot of time in nature. I mean, I rock climb, I paraglide, I snowboard, I surf now, which is this is a new thing. Um, I spend a lot of time in nature. Uh, the rest of my, when I don't work, I, I either spend a lot of time in nature, or, and I do I do Brazilian jujitsu as well, which I really really love. Um, so yeah, physical stuff and in, in nature, I don't really, I don't play, I don't play video games that much anymore. Um, I used to do that when I was, in my, when I was 20, uh, but cause I spent too much time on my computers for work. When I don't, I just get, I just get out of the
0: house. Yeah. A couple more questions. What, when you look back, what do you, what was one of, or some of the earliest memories that at the time you would look back and go, Oh, that might've been a sign that I had like that entrepreneurial spirit or I was, you know, more curious than the average kid. Well, I've, I've started my first business when I was
1: very young. I started my first business when I was 18. I don't know if that was a sign, but I always loved, I I always wanted to build things. I was all, I always wanted to be successful, but I don't think before that, I was just having fun doing sports. And when you're a kid, you don't really think of, of, of money. You know, I grew, I grew up in a normal family, nothing extreme, um, middle-class, um yeah, I started realizing that I want to build things and do well in life
0: after after the age of seventeen, I'd say. Yeah, well I always say for me that my my parents like they didn't tell me anything's possible, but they didn't ever tell me anything wasn't possible, right? So I yeah. just because I think it's I, I look at people and I go, huh, there's the common theme I think among entrepreneurs a lot of times is they don't they either haven't been told or at an early age they just believed. Why not? Why can't? Because there's a lot of people who just have decided, oh, I can't do that. Or, oh, I can't do that. Or that wouldn't work for me, right? And then entrepreneurs are more like, why, why can't I do this? Someone has to do it. Why can't I do it? So I think it's a, uh, I always thought it was a fascinating thing. And sometimes people yeah, look back yeah. and they go, oh, I had that teacher that said, hey, you were the only one that tried this or, you know, or, you know, things, things like that were uh,
1: yeah. more interesting. Same with my parents. They never told me, this is not possible. It's not. They just let me, it's your life. Do whatever yeah. you feel is fun. And that's what I did, and
0: you know I'm really happy with it. What's the one lesson that you've uh, you've learned either from your parents or your career that would be the first thing you'd pass on, you know, to loved ones in the future? If you said if they said, hey, what's one thing you know, one thing you need to tell us that that you think would serve us the best the rest of our lives? Yeah, balance and time is not
1: refundable. So. Um you can make as much money, you can make all the, the money in the world and you can build the coolest stuff in the world. But if you don't enjoy your life outside of the screens, it's not really worth it. So plus, if you don't enjoy your time outside of the screens, you won't be able to build the same. Um, you need to be taking breaks. So balance is the most important thing is a fundamental thing, um, to building cool stuff, balance yeah. and being happy. If you are able to do those things, you,
0: you can accomplish anything. Yeah. Would you recommend a young entrepreneur jump fully into something or keep a job, do it as a side project? Like That's always a question that comes <laughs> I up. I jump fully. in
1: When I do th- something, I jump 100% on it. I don't keep a job. I go no. all in. Uh, that's what I've done. I don't know. My, some people might consider, consider that this is too dangerous and they like holding on to things, but I can't hold on to things. Um, I, I have a balanced life in terms of how i feel but when it comes to work and i want to like fo- i just focus on one thing
0: so i'm just <clears throat> going to focus on one and then and, and make it happen yeah yeah i always say when the when it becomes more painful not to try something than to try it then you got to try it you know if it's yeah. just if it's just driving you crazy you got to do it okay so we like to ask uh There's two final questions, final question and then the bonus question, which really are probably out of order. The final question should probably be the final question, but the final question, that's not really the final question. If you could spend the day with one athlete or entrepreneur, uh, who would it be and why?
1: Um, No athlete, entrepreneur, who I would want to spend the day with, but I haven't already. (laughs) 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 Um, I would spend the day with Elon. I haven't met him. We have a lot of friends in common but I haven't had the chance to meet him yet. So yeah, I would say I would love to spend the time with him, uh, a day with him and just chat around about Twitter and about all that fun stuff. <laughs> Do you think he really wants to buy Twitter? I don't know, man. I don't really <laughs> know. He's a crazy person. That's why I like him. Um, yeah. You know, that's why it's, you know, he's, he's
0: special. No, for sure. Okay, great. And so, uh, a bonus question for, for listeners that it stuck with us and especially focusing on young entrepreneurs. What's, you know, based on your experience, what's the advice you would give to a young entrepreneur just getting started? It's We're going to go back to what we said. Uh,
1: if you like something and you're passionate about it and you wake up the next day thinking about it, then that might be your niche and you should just stop everything else you're doing and go for it. Um, yeah. You see a lot of people dropping out of college and focusing on one thing. You see a lot of people quitting jobs and focusing on one thing. I think the key to success is putting 100% effort in, in this one thing that you feel like you, you you like doing. And just don't be scared. Take risks. Take risks and fail. Yeah. It is it is what it is. And if you fail, you'll try again and you'll try again and you'll try again and eventually you'll
0: get it, you'll get it right. How many times have you... I, I know my answer to this. How many times have you gone to sleep thinking, oh my God, I just thought of the world's greatest idea and you wake up and you're like, eh wasn't Wasn't that good of an idea? Every night. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not the only one. So yeah. awesome! I appreciate you coming on. It was uh, it was super interesting. I learned a lot. It was good to uh, to hear your perspectives, and, and I think listeners will really enjoy it. Where can um, Where can people find you and learn more about what you're doing? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram. I am Nick Rose is my
1: uh, my handle. You can find me there anytime. I'm pretty responsive as well. Awesome.
0: All right, great. Well, uh, you know, thanks, Nick, for joining us. Wherever you're listening to this. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links we've mentioned. And uh, please follow us on Twitter, subscribe, review, and uh, we'll be bringing more awesome content every week. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Thank you.